I find it interesting that subjects like this can be pretty difficult. And the reason why they can be pretty difficult because of the different backgrounds that all of us may have, the various trials and troubles that our families had to deal with growing up, whether it was abandonment issues, whether it was sexual issues, whether it was abusive issues, there are always different types of things. There are some families that grew up in a very good household where mom and dad was there and they got along with one another and they did all that they needed to do in order to please God. And then there were some that grew up and it seems like things were going well and then a decision was made and mom or dad left and everything changed. And so as I was considering some of the thoughts that I wanted to share with you on today, it caused me to think about that because uh, there are different things that people are going through in the church. And so we have to be mindful of that when we are talking about these type of subjects. Protected but not isolated. There is one goal that my wife and I constantly put before our children, in front of the family. One goal only that we gave them. And that goal was this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. That's the goal that we put before our children. Constantly telling them, that's your goal. Your goal is to hear the words of Jesus Christ say that to you. And everything that, every decision that you make, everything that you do, ought to lead to that end, which will require you to go to the Word of God. And so we constantly put that in front of them. We wanted them to know that in this family, in the Bonner household, that you could trust us and that you can trust God and that we're going to do all that we can to protect you. And so that was the goal that Sister Bonner and I put before our children. When I thought about this particular subject, I thought about the title, Protected, but not Isolated. And so there are a few working definitions that I want to give you. The word protected means to keep safe from harm or injury, to shelter to defend. The word isolated means to keep far away from other places, buildings, or people remote to separate. And that caused me to think about a few things, and the reason why it caused me to think about a few things because I was thinking about the words of Jesus, of course. Jesus told those Galilean Jews in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, that you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the city that's set up on a hill that cannot be hid. And as I was thinking about those definitions and I thought about the words of Jesus Christ, it caused me to think about eating a good steak. Hmm, steak. And this subject. Well, I know one thing that if I want my steak to have any flavor, I got to go to the salt shaker and the pepper shaker. And I just can't look at the shaker. I want what's inside the shaker. 
I want that which is going to give it some flavor. Well, when we consider being protected but not isolated, Jesus wanted his people to make sure that they were protected internally, but they had to still go out and be an influence to those who were around them. So that caused me to think about some things. Number two, as the people of God, we have to understand the times that we're living in. You remember in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 32, that the latter part of that verse says that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And that caused me to think about the idea that we have to understand the times that we're living in. And we're not in the 50s anymore. We're not in the 60s. We're not in the year 1990s. We're not in those times anymore. These are different times. There is an all-out assault. We understand that. And friends, I know we say that it's an all-out assault on the church, but really it's an all-out assault on humanity, period. Because they're destroying even themselves. And so... It made me think about that. And then John said in 1 John 5, verse number 19, that the world lieth in wickedness. Now, I want us to ponder this because it's going to be very important for us to understand these things as we're moving forward. Well, protected but not isolated? Do we just run and hide? Of course not. Not the people of God. And so here John says that the world lies in wickedness. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5 real quick. In Ephesians 5, our brother Paul has this to say to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 5, verse number 15 and 16, familiar passages. See then that you walk circumspectly, carefully. I believe the word there is the idea of walking the straight and tight rope. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. This is the reason. Days are evil. Now, let's think about this. Paul tells the church at Ephesus to walk the tight rope. Now, one thing that we had to tell our children all the time, and it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that they always did that, but it was before them that you need to walk the tight rope in Christianity. Now, let me say this. That's difficult especially if you have people telling them that they don't have to walk the tightrope. Or that's difficult when people begin defining their own tightrope. But here he says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. And he tells them why, because the days are evil. And friends, the days are still evil. The, the days were evil when, the, when Paul said that in the book of Ephesians, and they're still evil, and not just here in the United States of America in the Church of Christ, but all over. They're evil. But then notice Romans 13. In Romans 13, in verse number 11, here the Apostle Paul, same writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but now he's writing to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11, and he says this, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to arise, to awake out of hypnos, sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That's interesting. Here he tells them that it's time for them to wake up. That as the people of God in Rome, they needed to wake up to what was going on around them. 
Friends, the days around us are wicked. We have to know the times that are around us. And with that being said, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is there a need to protect our families? Is there a need for us to protect our, to protect our marriages? Is there a need to even protect our uh, adult children and grandchildren to the best of our ability? The answer to all those questions is yes. There was a lie that was told to Evelyn and I when we were younger, and it's still a lie today. They say, when your children turn 18, your parenting is over. That's the biggest lie I ever heard. I was looking forward to them, Brother Sieber, turning 18. And then when the first one turned 18, we saw that, man, parenting is not over yet. Well, sometimes it just begins. Friends, I want us to consider these thoughts because we have to know what we're dealing with. We have to understand the times that we're living in. But number three, we have to understand that all of us have a common enemy. God is the one that created the family. One man, one woman coming in holy matrimony for life. And so we have all of these different enemies. We have people now who want to marry their animals. That's an enemy. That's a problem. That's something that we have to protect our children against. That when you get little Toto and you get little Moses in the house and all that, you can't marry Moses. Right? I love my dog. I think we ought to just go get married. You know, we're reading about stuff like that now. That's an enemy. And so with those things being said, friends, we have to have our minds made up that when we bring children into this world that we're going to teach them, that they have an enemy. The devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6 and verse number 11, we know that he has schemes. But I like this one. Go to John 10.10. Jesus says these words. And if you can trust anybody, you can trust Jesus. Jesus said, for the thief come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Stop. Is that true, yes or no? Does the enemy, does the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12 and verse number 10, are they really trying, is he really trying to destroy my family? Is he trying to destroy my marriage? Is he trying to destroy my children? One soul at a time, the answer is yes. Jesus said, for the thief come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the other half of that verse is just as powerful. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You know what that word abundantly means? God wants us to have the extraordinary life. He wants us to have the great life. But in order for us to have that extraordinary life, that great life, that magnificent life, which is only in Christ, we got to stay within the protection. The protection is in the word of God. The protection, and when I say the word of God, the utterances of God. What God has said in his word, we got to stay within that. And so number four, it brings me to this particular point. I got nine points for y'all. There's safety in the midst of war. Now you probably want to write that one down. There is safety in the midst of war. Protection, but not isolated. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 10, verse 28. Let's pick up with the words of Jesus. Jesus is about to send his disciples out to what is called the limited commission. That's the context. 
And can you imagine the great task that these men were going to have? That's interesting. The great task that we have as parents, the great task as we have as husband and wife, the great task as we have as singles, there's a great task before us. Jesus is about to send his disciples off on this great task, but he wanted them to have assurance. He wanted them to know that they were protected, that God was going to take care of them. Notice what he says in verse number 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now let's stop there real quick. Because you know one of the biggest problems that I believe most people have, and I say most because I don't like speaking for all people, and I don't like all people speaking for me. I'm like that blind man, the, the mother and father of the blind man. He's of age, he can speak for himself. So Jesus tells him, don't fear those who can kill the body. You know what he's also saying? Don't fear man. We are so fearful today. Our children see the fear in us. We're afraid of everything. And my question is this. If the disciples, Brother Wayne, was afraid of everything, they wouldn't have gone out. Would they? No. Question. Do we have a responsibility as husband and wife, as parents, whether it's a single parent home, whether it is a home where it's the original mother and father, or in the case of Evelyn and I, we had a blended family. Messed up some things in our lives before we obeyed the gospel. Well, before I did anyway. Had children out of wedlock. Messing things up. But we knew one thing. We were not going to allow that to keep us from making sure that our children went to heaven. We was going to do our part to make sure that we instilled the word of God into their hearts. And no wonder the psalmist would say, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But parents have that responsibility. But we can't be afraid of everything. And we're so afraid of everything. And so Jesus tells his disciples, don't fear man. If you're going to fear anybody, fear God. That's who we fear. That's who we're afraid of, if anything. Notice what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 7. It's a familiar passage. Sometimes I wonder, what was Timothy going through in Ephesus that Paul had to write to him these words? He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Go up to verse number 3. Let's put these two together real quick. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure heart or conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now notice what he says here. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Something was going on in Timothy's life that he was fearful. He was tearing. Something was going on. But Paul tells him, God has not given you the spirit of fear. You know, you have to constantly tell your children that. You have to constantly tell your mate that. You have to constantly remind one another of that. 
There's no reason for me to be afraid of any man that puts his pants on like I do. There's no reason. If anything, I need to be bold to make sure that I'm facing life the way God wants me to face it, and I'm not running away from a problem. If anything, and we'll get to this here later on in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 48, we're like David, he ran toward Goliath. He didn't run away from Goliath. But I know, I understand, that's not my personality. Can I say something? I grew up in a household. My mother, my mother was the one that was pretty uh, matter-of-fact in your face. My dad was more, you know, kind of nonchalant, laid back. And I had to learn how to be upfront. Not necessarily desiring confrontation, but not running away from it. And I don't understand. Why are children of God running from confrontation? Why are we running from our own problems? Friends, if we're going to protect our families, we have to do this thing. Go to James 4. And James 4 is practical. It's practical what God wants out of us. I really wish we had time to really delve into this, but James chapter 4, we'll look at verse number 7. We'll look at a couple passages. Therefore, fall in rank to God. Submit to God. Now, many people try to resist the devil and flee from him without submitting to God. It don't work that way. If I'm going to be protected and not run away from anything in my life, I got to submit, therefore, to God. I got to run to him. How do I run to God? I run to his word. How do I run to God? I stay in prayer. How do I run to God? I meditate upon his word. I practice it in my life. Therefore, submit to God. But sometimes we're trying to resist the devil without the help of God. It don't work that way. I can't. It won't happen. And so God gives us the natural ability to go to his word, to understand it, and therefore apply it. Therefore, I can run to God. I'm reminded on one occasion that the psalmist said, Brother Foy, that he is my strong tower. He is my stronghold. I run to him for safety. And we need more families who are willing to protect their families by staying in the word of God. And so notice what he says. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that assurance? That the closer I get to God, the closer he gets to me. I told the college class the other night, how close is too close? How close can I get to God? How close do I want to get to God? How much protection do I really want from God? How close is too close? Sometimes people want to get as close as they can that they can do what they want. But it don't work that way. I got to stay close to God. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And so God wants us to make sure that we're drawing near to him. He wants us to be holy when we come before him, and the family must be practicing these things. And so the more I thought about this, I thought about how the home and the church must be a moral culture in the midst of an immoral world. And friends, we don't have the right to redefine morality in our homes. 
We don't have the right to redefine terms in the scriptures. We don't have the right to mistreat our families on any level. And when we do, we make it right. Just like that. There were plenty of days when that woman over there told me, boy, you better get yourself together. You, you mistreating us. Okay. That's fine. You need a strong person in your life that's going to help you. That's going to fortify your faith to help you be the person that you need to be. Point five. How do we protect our families without isolating them? Go to the book of Proverbs. And as you're going there, I'll meet you there. As a matter of fact, meet me at Proverbs 1, verse 7, and I'll be there in a minute. The psalmist would say in Psalm 128, in verse number 1, he would say this, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. How can the family be protected through the fear of the Lord? But unfortunately... We live in a world where Psalm 36, verse number 1, actually is the norm. In Psalm 36, and verse number 1, y'all stay in Proverbs 1, I'll be there in a second. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Hmm, that's interesting. And the reason why that's interesting, because we have to ask ourselves the question, that if my family is going to be protected, how can they be protected? They're only going to be protected if I put the fear of God in their hearts. The fear of the Lord. We're going to go through a slew of passages because I believe that if we put the fear of the Lord into the hearts of our children, that they don't have to run from nobody. They don't have to run from no problem. They can do something heinous. They'll come to themselves. You know why? Because some of us have done some heinous things and came to ourselves. And so in Proverbs 1, verse 7, let's look at a slew of passages from Solomon. I love Solomon's words. In Proverbs 1, in verse number 7, young people listen to these words. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. As the people of God, as the family, whether it is an original family or a blended family, friends, the fear of the Lord has to be in the forefront of your families. It has to be in the forefront of your children. Your children have to know that we're going to respect God in this house, and there is no question about it. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. On many occasions, I remember when our children were teenagers, I always used to say, I was like, uh, I'm the HNIC up in here. Y'all get that later. I'm the one that's in charge. Sometimes children try to run the house. Not our house. You ain't running nothing but your mouth. I remember on one occasion my daddy bowed up on me. That's because he, I tried to bow up on him. But anyway, he said, boy, I'm the only man up in here. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. He put the fear of God in me too. But then notice Proverbs 8, verse 13. There are more than what I'm going to give you. I'm just going to give you five of them. In Proverbs 8, verse number 13, 
Friends, the Bible is clear. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about these. There is so much pride in some of our homes. There's so much pride in some of our marriages. I tell folk all the time because we have to. One thing I love about swallowing pride, there's no calories. It's not fattening. Just swallow your pride. You're not always right in the home. Children, your parents do know more than you. And so when you want to put yourself in a position where it's going to cause you injury and harm, you put your parents in a position where they got to watch you, and that's not right. Parents have the responsibility and the authority to make sure that children are protected. But notice the verse again, friends. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way. We have to make sure that our families know this. There is no compromise here. We can't reverence God and kind of tinker with evil and pride and arrogance at the same time. No, we can't. And really, if you do things right, a man and a woman coming together, you get those things together, then you start having children. But we live in a world today where people, they start living together and they start having children. Then they say, you know what, let's go ahead and get married. And they haven't worked on anything. Sometime in the church we do that. But as families, we can't afford that. As families, we need to know for a fact that God is in the forefront of our families. Go to chapter 14. Look at verse 26. In chapter 14, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Strong confidence, not arrogance, but confidence. Can I be confident that I can approach any situation that happens to me, that comes to my life? Can I be confident that if I have a problem with a brother, I can go to him and not hide behind some type of pretense or be passive aggressive in my attitude and behavior? You know, that's why the family is so powerful. Because if you have multiple children in your house, you can actually teach them these principles before they even go out and start interacting with people. That's good preaching. You know why? Because God has blessed us with a family that we can practice in our house. Mama, so-and-so won't let me play with his toy. Come here, John. Let him play too. I don't want him to play. Didn't the Lord share his son with us? That's how you respond. And so when they begin to fuss and fight in the church, guess what we're going to do? We're going to take care of the problem the same way. Go to Matthew 18. Don't forget about Proverbs. I'll be back. In Matthew 18, confidence. We can't stand conflict for some reason. We hide behind our computers. People say things behind a screen that they won't say in public or say to the person's face. But friends, we ought to be teaching our families to fear the Lord. There's strong confidence. 
Notice in Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse number 15, notice what the Bible says. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Isn't it interesting that when we teach our children these principles, that they'll be able to do this without even thinking about it? What does this have to do with the fear of the Lord? Because this is part of the fear of the Lord. This is part of that strong confidence. I believe that people don't go to each other in the Lord's church and maybe those who are in the world because they don't have the confidence to do so. But God has given us great confidence. It's in the word. But we've got to apply it to our lives. We've got to believe it. And we have to know that it's true. And do you know that if your brother hears you, you have gained a brother? Do you know when you have your children and they're fussing and fighting with one another and then they make up, they kiss, they hug, you maybe have prayer with them. Guess what? They've gained their brother. The relationships get stronger. And so it causes me to think, hmm, protection? That's how you protect your family, by insulating them, not isolating them. And the insulation comes through the knowledge of the word of God, the will of God. Go back to Proverbs uh, 15. Go to Proverbs 15. In Proverbs 15, in verse number 16, notice what the Bible there says. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with trouble. Hmm, that's interesting. We stop and we consider these words. How do we protect our families? I believe that some families are so ill-protected because they're focusing more upon the treasures than the fear of the Lord. Now, I'm not going to say I'm proud of this, but it was what it was. My wife and I, we, boy, we have broken that a joke for a long time, boy. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. All we could do is take our kids to the park. <laughs> and you know what? That was okay. You know our children tell us now? So glad we didn't have that much growing up. I think sometimes having too much kind of hurts us sometimes. Y'all do what y'all want to with that. I'm about to go home. You think about it. That's the scripture right there. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great riches with trouble. Maybe we can't protect. Maybe we run because we got too much to lose. But really, you have too much to lose. Your family, your wives, your husbands. It's okay to struggle a little bit. The protection is with the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 33. God gives us great perspective, and it's okay. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor... Young people, learn this lesson fast. The quicker you learn this lesson, the better your life will be, is humility. I like to tell my children this, and well, we, this is what we told our children. The way up is down. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. Jesus would say it like this, those who want to be great, serve. Teach your children how to serve. If a man or a woman knows how to serve, I guarantee you, they're not running from their problems. Look at Proverbs 1, 23. In Proverbs 1, in verse number 23, I love this because Solomon has this to say. 
Solomon wanted to make sure that his son understood what was in his mind. He said, turn at my correction. Turn at my, at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Hmm, Solomon, what are you saying? In order for you to know my attitudes, in order for you to know my disposition, in order for you to know what I'm thinking, I'm going to give you my words. You know what that implies? Spending time with your children. You know what that implies? That your children have to be there to listen to you. They have to trust you. And so that caused me to think, what if my children don't want to listen to me? Sometimes that's the case. One thing that Evelyn and I did not put up with, and I'm glad, we didn't put up with a bunch of talk back from our kids. Mm-mm. You ain't running nothing. Shut your mouth. Church, we got too many, we got too many parents in the church allowing their children to talk to them. If you talk to God that way, I'll be scared. It's just downright disrespectful. How does God protect someone that won't respect him? Let's be careful, church. Let's teach our children to respect us. Because if they won't respect you, who's to say they're going to respect God later? And then we wonder why children are falling away from the church. Could it be because they fell away from the home early? We always want to blame the church. Stop that. Let's not blame the church. The protection is in the church. The protection is in Christ. The protection is in the word of God. The protection is in the fear of God. I I know why people run away from their problems and isolate themselves, because they run away from the protection. Stay in the protection. And so the protection is in the word and the will of God. We've got to teach our children these lessons. And so... Don't send your children out into this world spiritually uneducated until you know that they're educated. We have one that's at home now, and rightfully so. It's not that she's not ready, but she realized, and she said with her own mouth, I need more instruction from you before I leave. Friends, you got to teach your children that. So they can come back. They go out into the world, and then they come back. This is what happened to me today. How do you think I ought to handle it? But we got to teach our children that. And that's why first day of the week worship, Wednesday night study, devotionals, and all those things are so important as we come together as an assembly, because as we come together, we receive nourishment and knowledge, and then we go out and we do it again. But then we got to have the type of environment, as Brother Wade was saying, James 5, maybe a brother or sister is struggling. Maybe they are dealing with some sin in their heart. Maybe a, a man who is being faithful to his wife got this sister rubbing up against him. Now, that's real talk right there. What do you do with that? He need to be able to come to the church and say, hey, y'all, I'm, I'm being tempted by this good-looking sister, and she's bothering me. Let's help you out. You know, they ought to be, we ought to be able to do that in the home, too. Don't run away from it. Run to it. How do we run to it? By education. Education, meditation, and application is going to be the key. The protection is found in the wisdom. And so, therefore, we got to be 
vigilant. Mothers and fathers, husbands and wives have to be vigilant. Husbands have to be taking care and protecting their wives. Wives have to take care of their husbands. I remember on one occasion, we was having potluck. Sister sitting next to me. She's a good sister. Wasn't going to bother me none. But my sister, my wife going to come over there and flop between us two. I'm like, what are you doing? She don't need to be sitting that close. I appreciate it now, though. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, we need protection. And now what I can do, I can see that sister, like, how you doing? Because I already know. Evelyn got her in check. Ain't got, I had no problems out of her. One day, get up, boy. Come here real quick. One day my wife was over there and she was fixing a brother's tie. I was like, go ahead, sit down. I said, what are you, what are you doing? I checked him. I said, man, did you ever let my wife touch your tie? Him and I had to have a Matthew 18, 15 through 20 account. We cool now, even to this day. I was protecting my wife. My wife was protecting me. We got to protect our children. Let me give you this point real quick, because Cody came up here four minutes ago. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 13. Now, this is important right here. There's nothing wrong with youth groups. They're good. But be careful, parents, with the youth group. Okay? And the reason why is because there's a lot of closeness in youth groups. And everybody in the youth group ain't holy. All the kids are not doing what is right. You got to protect your children. Listen to your children. Don't isolate your children. Protect your children. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 5 through 7, notice what the Bible says, 6 and 7. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife or your bosom or your friend who is your own soul, meaning he's best friends, y'all real close, secretly entice you saying, let's go up and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers of the gods of the people which all are around you, near to you or far off from you. From one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him, nor listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death afterwards, the hand of all the people. Now, here's the point. We have to watch our children. We have to watch those who influence our homes, our families. Watch who influences your children. Because sometimes when we consider those negative and horrible influences, it could be alcohol and drugs and sexual immorality. Listen to your children. You don't have to take them out of the group, but you need to listen to them and you need to know what they're doing and what they're saying so you don't have to pick up the pieces later. And that's one thing that we have to always tell our children. I'm trying to save you from yourself because I don't want you to have to pick up the pieces later. Sometimes we, we're just not paying attention. And if I had an hour, I would tell you there were some times which we just didn't pay attention to our children. And we had to pick up the pieces later. But one thing that we didn't do, 
We didn't take them out of this world. And now they know how to operate in this world. They can navigate in this world. And friends, God does not want us to leave this world. He wants us to influence it. And so we need to be like David. Not like Israel, who was afraid because of this Philistine giant. We need to be like David. Let me take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. I'll take care of him. And he ran to it. We don't run, friends. I know some of us have developed a habit of running. You run to your problems. And you fix it. And if you need to repent, you repent of it. If you need to confess, confess it. Whether it's to your spouse, to your family, to the church, it doesn't matter. Do it. That's what a spiritual healthy is. You want to be healthy? Stay holy. And God is concerned about your holiness. And we ought to be concerned about it too. God bless you.